Hi everyone, and welcome to the Two Cents Free Podcast with me, Jeff, and my good mate JP. And we're on episode number 16. Thanks for joining us, and we're on part five of our Euro countdown. We're going to be covering one of the key favourites for the tournament, and that is a little-known nation called Spain. They're in uh, a remarkable group in Group B, and they have uh, just an unbelievably competitive group with Italy and Croatia and Albania almost being the side note to this just crazy and tantalising group. And so yeah, we're going to do um, a rundown on this mini pod about how we think Spain will do, our prediction, and uh, a, a rundown of the key standouts in their team. Uh, without further ado, over to JP. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, we've now moved on to on to Group B. Now we've completed Group A, so exciting stuff. And we we're starting with um. A bigging in um in in Spain, so um, hopefully should be a good little mini mini pod f- from us. Um, but yeah, as always, um, bookies um is the the website of choice to start with, and so Spain are f- currently four favourites to win the Euro twenty twenty four competition. They have a, a manager called Luis de la Fuente, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, and so. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he <laughs> for one day. Um, so I believe he joined in 2022 as the Spanish manager, um, and so and quite interestingly, he's kind of gone through the Spanish youth system. Um, so he's gone through the he or he used to manage the under 19s, then he went to the under 21s, then he went to the under 23s, and now he's uh, the senior manager. So in some respects, maybe similar to. Um, Gareth Southgate um, apparently got a 50% win rate um, for his overall managerial career um, and he's actually got an 80% win rate with um, the Spanish under 21 side um, so fairly good fairly good um, stats um, but uh, yeah I guess sort of moving on to um, their qualification and maybe a little bit around how Louis sort of gets them sort of playing. Um, so although Scotland actually qualified first within their qualification, Spain's record is actually pretty good. They won seven and lost one, which was against Scotland. It's <laughs> like Tom and a tirade. Yeah, apart from that little blip to the the nation up the road from us, <laughs> <laughs> which you're banned from. Yeah, which I'm banned from, um, but. Um, I guess unsurprisingly, they have an average of sixty-seven percent possession and a ninety-one percent passing accuracy in that in that group, which is quite astonishing. I mean, do you expect anything less, Jeff? <laughs> Man City incarnation, even without Pep, you know this. De La Fuente seems to get them playing like Man City. Guard the ball, pass it around well, get the fans cheering every time a ball is passed, and just try to dominate. That seems the way they do things yeah very um very typical spain with their sort of tiki taka football that pass and move um so yeah he's kind of adopted the same style um 
but yes, apart from that Scotland game, they've got through very, very comfortably, even though Louis did go into an interview saying, oh yeah, this is a really tough group. I think based on their um, record, it was a bit of a breeze, I think, for them <laughs> in the yeah. end. Um, and and some of their results against the likes of, um, I think it was Georgia and Cyprus and, and Norway were very, very comfortable. So um, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with Louis <laughs> on that one. Um, one thing I did find quite interesting with Spain, um, although they do like to hold the ball and, and dominate teams, a lot of their goals have come down the wings or from their wingers. And then I guess that typical sort of Man City play where that cross along the floor. To be fair, it's a few headers and from crosses as well. Um, so that might come into play with some of our key players a bit later. But I thought that was quite just an interesting style of play that I kind of noticed from highlights and and um, bits and pieces I've seen from them. Is there any and so I guess that's very much Fuente's style of play. Do you expect that we'll see that kind of style within the Euros as well, Jeff? Uh, I think they're going to be heavily defensive. They, that seems to be their style to keep a clean sheet if they can. Whereas, as you've seen in the Euro qualifiers, only really bottling it against Scotland. They seem to. They need to get a bit more poaching goals from Morata. I think he. I think he, you know, even when he played for Chelsea, he scored a lot of poaching headers, a lot of one-to-ones with the goalie. And that doesn't seem to align with the way Spain play at the moment. So they need a bit more of a clinical finish. Um, and also, as as we may touch upon, there's this kind of injuries at play uh, in amongst the kind of emerging youth stars. Yeah, it's, it's a proper diverse squad, isn't it? And I don't know, do you do you reckon they they could actually gel between some of these players that are you know? 38, 16. It's a very diverse squad in terms of the age range. I guess it's in some respects it's kind of similar to what we were saying with um, Switzerland last week around, you know, they had some experienced players but also a couple of young gems potentially in there. I think they're, to be honest, I think Spain are actually in a very similar position to Germany. Where yeah. I think they're very much transitioning. They're definitely not the same side well, that we saw in 2008-2012 where, you know, they just, they, well, they won everything within those years and that was just an absolute legendary squad, wasn't it? Um, just incredible, mate. Like, was it Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets? Yeah, David Villa um, stuck in there, I think, as well. Sergio Ramos. Yeah, um, Puyel, I think, as well. So, um, yeah, that was just, just an absolutely insane squad. Um, so yeah, I think they're in a very different position. Um, and what's interesting, I think before Fuente came in, I think it was Luis Enrique who was merged. So I think Fuente coming in, I mean, to maybe everyone outside of Spain was a fairly unknown name. So it's been interesting to see how he's kind of got on. But I guess similar to um, Gareth Southgate, he's you know with the the youngsters they've got in the squad, he's probably already worked with them, and so. That probably plays into a sort of a Spain's advantage in terms of he's probably brought up the likes of Gavi, Pedri, 
um, EML and stuff like that within within the youth groups. And so they're probably quite comfortable playing for him and and his style of style of play. And I guess being in that Spanish setup, Fuente plays the the Spanish the Spanish way and that they want to play in Spain. So I don't think we're going to see anything too different in the Euros in terms of the way they play. I think what we're saying they're going to dominate the ball. They I think they've got the players in there to be defensively solid as as we've already suggested. But um. I think it's going to be a bit more of the same, really, in, in this competition. Um, I guess kind of despite their kind of recent um, tournament results, which in Qatar they got knocked out by Morocco in round 16 um, on penalties. And then in the Euros, they, they lost to um, Italy in the semis. Italy. and Yeah, and got third place. Um, so I think... They'll probably be there or thereabouts, but very similar to Germany, I think, um, very much in transition. Mm. What are your thoughts uh, around that kind of stuff? So they will, yeah, definitely in transition, not the finished product yet, but could be very dangerous because that coach, who's, you know, as you said, brought them through the youth, a bit like Southgate, would nurture them and a culture which you'd think is quite inclusive and almost like father-son type thing. Uh, they will struggle without Gavi if he is actually injured into the tournament because I think it did he he ruptured his um, in yeah sustained an ACL injury to his right knee um, against Georgia last month, which was a kind of a no f- fear. No consequences game to be frank in the end and yeah it, it could also mean he misses the olympics um when you also look at their having said that though they have the pedigree don't they in the tournament with three euro wins um and a, you know it's a tough group though croatia italy who they did beat in a friendly last year and it would have been 2-2 if it wasn't for a really marginal offside think against Immobile. Mm, yeah. Um, it was so a tight it's, it's a really tough one to crack because they, they kind of have Rodgers as, as a linchpin. They've got that stable back line. It's a strange one. They could just easily be clobbered on the counter. A bit in, in the same way Palace does in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually you mentioned some of the groups because um, what Fuente does have is Spain won the Nations League last year and that happened to be against Croatia in the final so we've got a replay of that final Um, so you're right I think that group is is going to be a tricky one especially with Croatia we all know what Croatia are like despite how I think every time a major competition comes around we go oh yeah it's an Asian squad blah 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 and yet they always last couple of sort of major competitions seem to to do something, although maybe not quite in the Euros because they were in our group, weren't they? But um, yeah, I think the likes of Modric, he sort of ages like a bit of a fine wine. He's he's still yeah. got it, <laughs> and I'm sure Perisic and, and all those guys are still knocking about and can still muster something up. So I think you're right; it's going to be a a tricky group. And then Italy, of course, are giants within within the um, game, despite not being particularly good. I don't think within qualification. Um, as they were in England's group, so we know a little bit about that. But um, yeah, I think you're think you're right. 
Um, cool. Shall we? We've mentioned a few players already, but shall we get stuck into who we think some of their their key players are? Yeah, that was fun enough. My next question to you, <laughs> you see, is like the the shining diamond that could uh, unlock the tournament for them. Yeah, and I think they have got a very. I went, I've been going through their players. They've got a very interesting squad. I think we could talk hours about several players within this team. Um, but I guess maybe to start with, should we start maybe defensively? Um, I think we've already said that we think they're going to be defensively quite solid. Um, however, I think there's a bit of a conundrum in there. <laughs> and so I think you've got the likes of Carver Howell. Uh, so you've got Carver Howell, um, Laporte, um, Paul Torres, and a guy called Robin Le Normand, who plays for um, Real Sociedad. And it seems like Fuente seems to favour Le Normad and Laporte as his two centre-backs. And so my dilemma with this is, I know Laporte was, is, is and was very good at Manchester City, but if you're Pau Torres, do you feel, will you feel a little bit um, frustrated that you're not getting in over Laporte despite being in a very successful Villa side this season? And Laporte, well, he's playing in Saudi, isn't he? And we've, we've already touched a little bit around them in, in previous episodes. Yeah, of course. Uh, the <laughs> he's on the Saudi bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, you're going to feel really irritated by that. He has meant Villa have one of one of the best. Um, we're not away from home. I know that's another story, but a really good clean sheet and um, a really good defensive record and a, a solid group of appearances for Unai Emery. Yeah, that's tough though. I mean, perhaps is do you think he's he could be picking Laporte because of what he's won? It's it could just be he knows how to get over the line, and and that's important, especially in the crunch phases. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's probably favouring Laporte because of that and that whole experience um, element to his game. But I mean. I think he's had more experience at a higher level. I think Paul Torres has still had a lot of experience. He was part of um, uh, Unai Emery's, I think it was, it was Villarreal, I think he was at, yep. um, I want to say. Um, so he's had sort of Europa experience and bits and pieces like that. So he's he's had sort of European football, but I think you're right, He's it's just not at that level as Laporte's played at Man City Um and also probably internationally as well. Um, so I think right. I think come the Euros, Laporte will probably still be favoured as the centre back. Um, so I guess it'll be a bit of a shame for for Torres, but I think that's probably the way it will work. Mm. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, just a side note. I I do sense that he he likes to kind of play long balls, and it's and it's uh, it, yeah. He doesn't like to almost play that possession game, which. De La Fuente likes and mm. Laporte has gotten used to that Man City tactic of keep possession, play out from the back, build from the back, use Gundogan as it was Mares at the time through to the emergent Haaland, you know, and so on so it's just, it, it could just be a stylistic thing No, yeah, I think you're, you're probably spot on actually with that point, um, yeah Laporte is 
probably one of the best ball-playing defenders probably around, especially when he's at Man City. I mean, I'm not sure anymore, but um, yeah, I think you're completely right. Spain, they play a certain way and, you know, they stick by that. So they'll play the players for that for that style. Um, Robin Lemormand, Le- Le- <laughs> um, he's a player I didn't know too much about, but did sort of do a bit of research. And, I mean, what I would say is he's... Um, a bit of a strapping lad, Jeff. <laughs> he he looks like a bit of a beast. Um, look, he gets a bit of a tackle in. Can, he's a threat in, in the opponent's box. And I think, again, he, he's comfortable with the ball. So I'll be really interested to see how he gets on. And obviously, Raul Sociedad are in, in the um, knockouts of the Champions League. So they've he's playing at a really good level as well. Um, so, yeah, I think... Defensively, I think Spain have got plenty of options in there to remain solid throughout the competition. And to make them even more solid, Jeff, and I think we, we probably both agree on this point, but a central defence midfielder called Rodri, um, who I think we'd argue is probably the best in the world at, <laughs> at that occupation, uh, just to bolster their defensive um, capabilities. Um, how important is he going to be within this team? I think as it proved when Man City lost him for three games at the beginning of the season, they crumbled. They would probably have five more points. I think that's not understating it. Leadership, um, poaching, long shots into the box, outside the box goals, um, aggressive tactical backtracking. Insane. I mean, Captain material, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, do do you see? Do you see him? Uh, yeah, I mean, he must be the. Is he in the top three or the top one of his position? For me, he he's the best in the world in that position, um, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I think probably since uh, the likes of Sergio Busquets. Um, who I really liked when he was sort of in his prime. I think he's now in a position within that Man City team where he's very, very similar. Um, I think he's more attacking minded minded than than Busquets. I think Busquets just used to sit in front of that back four, almost just within that centre circle, used to break up play, get the ball, and then his head would be up and he'd pass it to Xavi and Iniesta and, and Messi to then start doing their thing. I think Rodri has a bit more to his game. He he can do that, and he does do that. I think he's also got that more attacking threat and ability. Like you said, he's got he scored loads of important goals for Man City from outside the box. Um, he's someone that can just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and drive a team to victory. Um, and I won't. I mean, I'm not sure this is going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Spain are going to get anywhere within this Euros, it's going to be through Rodri and, like you say, his leadership um, and nurturing and poaching those youngsters he's got in front of him, um, but also just keeping that back line solid. And he will, do, he will just do an absolutely brilliant job at doing that. And I think that's what's going to make Spain really, really hard to beat. I think just to add to that, I mean, it, it outlines your point. He's got a 73% success rate at all tackles, 
on opponents. Um, and just, uh, yeah, incredible aerial duel win rate. So we thank the guys at Squawker for those stats. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just an absolute class player. Um, I'm not sure there's too much more we can probably add to add to that. Um, but um, in front of him is probably where it gets a bit more interesting, I think, for Spain. Um, I guess we'll sort of mention these two early, early on in terms of Gavi and Pedri, who are the two young midfielders um, that's a very, very highly thought of as the I guess, central midfielders, I think they both are. Almost like um, a bit of an up-and-coming Xavi and Iniesta, I guess. Yeah. Um, but a couple of concerns around both of them, Jeff. So we've got Gavi, who's currently out on an ACL, as you mentioned earlier in the pod. Um, and it's unknown whether he's going to be fit to sort of play a part in the Euros. Um, and then Pedri, who's currently out on injury, I think he's meant to be coming back soon. But he seems to be having sort of reoccurring muscle issues, which is causing some concern amongst the Spanish population. Mm. Um, I did a bit of reading into this. So he's come out and said he thinks it's down to the amount of games he played within his first season at Barcelona. So I think within that first season where he sort of uh, broke out onto the scene, as Micka Richards would say, um, he played 73 games within his first season, which is, you know, that's a, a very, very, a lot of games for, I guess at the time, probably 18, 19 year old. Um, and so he's also said he's trying to make some lifestyle changes to try and counter these muscle issues he's having. And so I think this is things such as um, uh, creating a new diet from himself, so nutrition. And I've also seen um, he's taken up a little hobby called Pilates, which came under the recommendation of, of Puyol to, to sort of help as well. And which is quite interesting because we were sort of talking um, a little bit before we came came on air around sort of injuries and intermittent fasting and stuff and how that can help with bits and pieces. But um, yeah, a bit slight concerns around, around Pedri. So... Although he's due to be coming back shortly for for Barca, there's concern he may pick up more injuries before the tournament. How important are would having someone like Pedri or Gavi be to Spain for Europe? Because they're both very, very highly thought of. I reckon, yeah, a bit of dynamism, a bit of individual creativity. It's could be the difference when they're in some kind of monotonous one-one draw, and they don't have that attacking style. And yeah, in fact, I think and if you mentioned Gavi, won was it Golden Boy of the Year, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's um, the one that Jude Bellingham won this year, I think. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I think critical. And yeah, like in just an incredible kind of vision, first touch, ability to turn quick, counter-attacking pace, which could turn the table when they're actually have, facing a really defensive side. <clears throat> so I, th- I think 
it's not great for Spain right now to have these players so far out from the tournament having lifestyle issues or recurrent injuries that they just can't get shot of. Yeah, I think, um, I guess, to put it into perspective um, with Jude Bellingham, is Pedri's played 120 games um, in total as a 21-year-old, um, which is a lot of games. However, you compare it to someone like Jude Bellingham, who's 20, and he's already played 197 times at a senior level um, and is scoring the amount of goals. It kind of does put it into perspective, but I know, I mean, every player is going to be different. Everyone, you know, picks up injuries at different points of their careers. I know there's that whole argument about sort of nurturing youngsters into the game so they don't get injured and stuff. But you sort of compare it to a bit of a sensation like Jude Bellingham, and you, you, you do sort of question whether actually is that 73-game season really the reason why he's having those injuries? Or is there a need maybe perhaps in that Barcelona setup where they just, you know, they need to be doing some additional conditioning or work or something with them? I don't know. You, you mean, we don't know. We're just sort of fans speculating. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting one to put, sort of put that into perspective against someone, another youngster in, in the game. Um. But yeah, I think you're right. They're both very technically gifted and you see the sort of little flicks and tricks that they provide within within the games and that sort of close sort of technical skill. And yeah, that's enough to sort of break any team down, I think, on, on their day. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Lamine Yamal and then let's give our predictions how we think Spain will do. Yeah, Lamine uh, Yamal is the 16-year-old kid wonder at <laughs> Barcelona. Um, he's also sort of featured a couple times within the qualifiers as well. I think he scored twice um, within the Euro qualifiers. Um, interestingly, he's played 19 times for Barca. I think he scored once and, and four assists, which, you know, it's not bad for a 16-year-old. Um, so left winger, so getting the assists in there... Is, is really promising to see. I'd imagine, I mean, I've not seen too much of him at all, but um, I imagine he's probably quite raw um, in terms of his talent. I know he's sort of got bags of pace in there as well. I think, yeah, Spain have this sort of knack for picking up these kind of kind of kids and producing superstars. So, I mean, I'm not going to write him off because he's already sort of getting a couple of goals and assists, but I'd imagine maybe he sort of plays a bit of a Theo Walcott kind of role maybe in the next uh, Euros where he'll probably get into the team, but how much time he'll get on the pitch, you know, it might be 10 minutes at the end um, kind of thing. If they're really sort of having to push for a result and they need to throw the kitchen sink at a game, maybe they throw him on just for as a bit of a... Um, I was going to say hit or miss kind of thing, which is probably a bit harsh on him, but... um for something different um, or if in a game where they're pretty comfortable and they can afford to give him a bit of major tournament experience but he's definitely one to keep an eye on um, and it'll be interesting to see if they do play him but um, yeah it'll be interesting what what are your sort of thoughts around around him mm. yeah really uh, instinctive first, first touch and um yeah, again, just an unbelievable pace. And he's he's really impressed Xavi 
in fact, making his debut at 15. It, it's... Uh, it, it, it sounds a bit like almost with Theo Walcott back in 06 with England or almost Saka in the last Euros. Bit of an unknown entity, blistering potential. You just hope kind of he doesn't get burned out. Uh, and yeah, just like an interesting stat. He, he extended his contract with Barcelona in October with a buyout clause of a billion euros. Which oh, shows that's right. Yes. What price they put on him. Yes, I do remember seeing that. <laughs> that's um, quite a release clause, isn't it? <laughs> just, oh, just insane. <laughs> yeah, you can't imagine any other player really on the planet. I mean, unless Mbappe's brother. <laughs> I, mean, I guess so, Mbappe, I'd imagine he's probably going to leave in the summer next year. Um Considering how last summer went, but um, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be quite a, a, a billion euros or pounds. For I'm assuming it's going to be Real Madrid, but um, yeah, I mean, it puts definitely puts some pressure on the kids. Hundred <laughs> percent. So uh, yeah, predictions, mate. So yeah, Spain's a, as we said, a very interesting one. There's a couple of areas where I think. Where is where Spain will either be successful or they or they won't, um, and it's up top with sort of Morata slash Yoselu who are both very old. I say old; they're coming towards the end of their careers, and it's whether that's enough firepower for them to get to the latter stage of the competition. Um, however, in terms of in terms of the group prediction, I think Spain will win the group. Um, it's a, it is a tough group. There's some big, some big names in there. Um, Croatia and Italy in particular. Um, for me, Italy aren't the team they were in Euro 2020, and they scrape through into the into the competition. The real competitor in there for Spain is, is Croatia, and I think oh, I don't. That's going to be a really tough game. I think. I think the way Spain play. And the way Croatia play, it you know Croatia could easily nick that. Um, but either way, I fancy Spain to fin- be finishing top of that group. So that's my prediction. Sounds good, mate. Uh, I think yeah, it's it's hard not to. It's hard to go against that because of the aging stars within Italy and Croatia. If I watch them against Italy in the in the friendly. In the Nations League, it's it's like a friendly, and uh, they, yeah, they were able to counter attack the pace. They had good, you know, aerial ability. But I, I think Italy, again, a stage where they need to rebuild. Spain are nearer to that stage. Certainly, should be more of a favourite than Germany right now. I think. So. It's a squeaker, but I, yeah, definitely they can make out their group. It's a, it's really tricky. They they almost have a a strange mental block against Italy. At the moment, I'm thinking they could win the group. Yeah, but it's only if those injured players come back in some way or form, even if it's later in the tournament. Uh, and in terms of like where they possibly could be. It, it feels like semi-final and then they lose to someone like Portugal or France. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be one of them. 
but it's it's one that could easily go to extra time, especially with a, a leader like Rodri. He must be on form, otherwise they're not going to go anywhere. Same with Morata. Poor aerial ability, injuries, lack of delivery could impact their their tournament in this rebuild phase they're in. So yeah, it sounds like we're aligned, I reckon. It's <laughs> at the top of the group, but they're, they're good. They're really good. Yeah, yeah, very good side. Um, I'll definitely be keeping my own in the, in, in the summer next year. 100%. All right, that's our deep dive of Spain uh, into our, our Euro 2024 rundown. And yeah, we hope to see you soon. Um, that's our mini pod, and we'll be back very, very soon. Thanks for joining us.